Season's greetings. More like season's compliments because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Min Skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. Super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles and signs of aging. Enough said. Calera Lab Skincare, join the 100,000 men who trust Calera Lab to show your best first impression this autumn. Get 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA over at CalderaLab.com. I've been using Calera Lab now for a good while, and you know me and Graham, we're staying up late. We're watching flights and we need it at night and we need it in the morning and it really does help out. Caldera Lab creates high performance men's skincare products and the regimen is exactly what you need to start that all off. It leads to our product line. It's a twice a day routine to transform your skin. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and it's been the wild west for men for a long time. That's why they're here, just to make everything simple. So the regimen includes three products, the clean slate, base layer and the good. Very easy. Clean set starts your day. It's a face wash, leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And in the good is your go to before you go to bed. It's a multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed by tr- packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. And the Calera Lab Icon Serum as well, that's absolutely brilliant. It, it addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness, which I know every MMA fan needs. Calera Lab is a leader in men's skincare, made only with the top-tier ingredients. Clinical trials uh, have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger appearance after using Calera Lab for a few weeks. Proven. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and sides of aging. So, this is a deal just for our audience. Exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at CalderaLab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA at CalderaLab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at CalderaLab.com with the code SEVEREMMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the Q&A. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 444 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Manuel Kanji of Irish MMA media. Graham McDonald, as we talk about 
A, uh, a very, 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 very big week in the world of mixed martial arts, Graham. And let's start it off by talking about PFL uh, acquiring Bellator. Uh, obviously, last week we uh, broke down the whole Bellator card. We called it the finale card, and it turns out uh, it, wa- it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I suppose. Bellator, as we know it, was the last card. We spoke about Bellator and maybe their place uh, in mixed martial arts, but then... Um, mere what twenty four hours or so after we um recorded the podcast, the uh, PFL Supremo Don Davis announced uh, in a press release that uh, Bellator had been acquired by PFL. Um, he put out some of the info on his LinkedIn. He did uh, a few interviews. Then first, I think he spoke to Scott Fontana first, and there was some great info. He was over in MMA fighting, obviously talking then uh, as well. And basically, we just to, to I suppose clear up what's happening if people have been living under a rock. PFL now. Uh, own Bellator and will continue to run Bellator and they're going to have five different series running so they'll have the normal PFL as we saw and we'll break down the card that happened uh, this weekend so the normal uh, PFL season that has been going on for the last few years they'll have the PFL Challenger series which has also been going on for the last uh, few years basically if you win that you get into the the big PFL then they'll have um, the PFL Worldwide let's call it that they'll have PFL Europe uh, the finale of which will be in Dublin next week uh, and I think they're starting PFL Middle East next year. I think uh, they, they talked about that. And then they'll have the PFL pay-per-view series, which will have Francis Ngannou and Jake Paul and others on it. And the fifth element will be Bellator. So the Bell- it's going to be a Bellator International Series, they call it, with eight events per year. And uh, apparently all of them are going to be overseas. So you, you never know. Like, they, that could change too, but it looks like that's the key for at the moment. Um, there's... Still no word yet on what's happening with all the Bellator employees. An awful lot. Don Davis said that they will all be uh, offered uh, jobs. But I heard uh, from a couple of them that um, as of today, they heard, basically they've heard from PFL and the meetings are kind of being organized. A few of them are flying into a few different places to have meetings. And that'll all be decided within the next, probably the next two weeks, I would say. So we will know more then after that. Um, the fighters will be coming over. Some will be coming over to PFL. Some will be staying in Bellator. Obviously, PFL don't have some of the Bellator divisions. And they will be staying in Bellator. The likes of Johnny Eblen, they don't have the middleweight division. So he will be obviously staying in PFL. And also, they've announced as well, Graham, last thing, and I'll throw it over to you then, and we can discuss it maybe. Uh, they're going to have a champion versus champion card to kick this all off which is likely to be in February of uh, the upcoming year so in only three months down the line here uh, where the PFL champions that were crowned last night which we will talk about later on will be taking on the Bellator champions which is really really exciting to be honest and that's fantastic what was your what was your general reaction to to all of this Graham all the news that broke I suppose there was no shock over PFL yeah it was kind of it was kind of in the works and talked about for a few months now and you know, it's hard to it's hard to know what to believe when people are reporting stuff. But there was enough noise and, and enough kind of uh, people not denying it, <laughs> rather than nobody was really confirming it the same much. But people weren't denying it, so you kind of got the feeling it was inevitable. But um, yeah, I think the, uh, you did a good description of breaking it down there. I think the definitely the most exciting part of it is the the Bellator champions versus the PFL champions. Uh, coming up next year uh, I'm not sure when that's going to be next year obviously there's you know a lot going on a lot of moving parts here and they're trying to sort out the staff as you were talking about and things like that and 
Um, there's probably, I don't know, maybe there's a few contracts that are a little bit different than the standard contract and maybe the sort of things like that. But hopefully all these these planned champion versus champion fights happen because, yeah, I'm really up for those. Yeah, like that's uh, utter excitement, I suppose, for them sort of things. Like, I've been very, very um, annoyed by like the recent talk of like cross promotion and all because not that I wouldn't like to see it and not in the perfect world if we could have it and all, but it's just not going to happen. It's like... Like Vince McMahon's rule number one, never talk about something you're not going to deliver, you know? And like, it feels like there's been constant chat about it, but now there's actually like cross promotion. They're the same promotion now, but you know what I mean? Of fighters that we didn't know were going to happen, and now they are happening. And it's fantastic because a big issue with PFL, and I've been covering obviously the PFL, we, we've been covering here in Severe May for a long time as well as Bellator, but I've been covering every single card and Jordan obviously for the last couple of years. And a big issue is the very, very similar matchups happening and recurring matchups, rematches the whole time. And now we have the prospect of having new people in there. So like, even... I I would be very surprised if a lot of the PFL kind of um you know let, let's say there's there's eight people in the division maybe fighters 4 to 8 might no longer be there and maybe replaced by Bellator fighters and that's unfortunate for them but maybe they'll get another opportunity somewhere else like in maybe in the Bellator undercard or whatever and they'll be brought in and better say Bellator fighters will be brought in made it, make it more competitive make it more exciting which is, is very good for, for the viewer and everything like that but as you say like I think for the fighters, it's a very, very odd time because it could be very good or it could be very bad. I think for us, in the, um, in the, I suppose, short term anyway, we're going to have this brilliant champion versus champion card. The PFL will automatically get a lot better. The Bellator cards will be kind of cleaned up an awful lot because what, what was there last year? Maybe 12, 13 Bellator cards or something like that. Okay, there's only going to be eight next year. That means there's probably like a lot of a lot more high quality maybe Bellator cards than we've had in terms of they're going to be more diluted which is is better so less and better which is what we always want for mixed martial arts I suppose so that's it's pretty good for us I think for us covering it and for for watching it as well but for the fighters is like is there going to be more opportunities or less less opportunities there's definitely going to be less opportunities to negotiate because you know let's say of the North American um, people to of the top three have now become one, you know, to negotiate with. And that's that's not great. But also, like, let's say, I don't know, let, let's say you are, let's say, Clay Collard. I know he was in the final last night. Let's say, like, okay, Clay's got a couple of opportunities now at the 155-pound title. You know, would we rather him in there or would we rather, you know, Vincent Henderson? Yeah, let's say, you know, or would we rather maybe bring Anthony Pettis back and we have it an all-star and maybe Clay Collard like, well, thanks, thanks for what you've done for the last year, a few years, Clay, but we're, you're not, you're not required anymore. Or like, let's say someone like Liam McCourt, like Liam McCourt was the number one contender. They're talking about doing Leah versus Cyborg in Belfast, but now, you know, Don Davis is talking about, oh, you know, Kayla Harrison's not going to get the shot at Cyborg, it's going to be Pacheco. So that kind of means that Liam McCourt now went from first in line to almost third in line because it's going to be Pacheco, then Harrison, and then Leah. And, like, <laughs> that that doesn't seem very good on Leah, does it? And obviously, like, we were looking at that as an Irish land, but also not as an Irish land because that was the fight it, it seemed like was going to happen. Now, maybe that will happen. I only saw, like, literally an hour or two ago, Chris Cyborg was still talking about having that fight, so 
we, we'll see on that one as well. But I'm sure that sort of thing, like they, they talked about the uh, Shabley um, million pound Bellator tournament and Don Davis, like, I don't know if we'll even finish that or not. The, and there's just a, a few things like that. But all in all, well, like, it's a million quid, it's a million quid to the winner, so <laughs> yeah. probably better off whatever they're I'm not doing it. But still, you enter a million pound tournament or a million dollar tournament, he, like, it'd be fair bad if you got to the finale. You know, your opponents failed the drugs test and you, you don't get anything out of it. Now, that mightn't happen, but I suppose we'll, we'll see on that. So, like, it's 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 not all great for the fighters at the moment, but hopefully that all that's... Would it have been be better about. if the kind of other option that was going, because Bellator was either going to kind of go out of business or be sold, was kind of what we were hearing. It wasn't going to continue much longer. So, would it have been better? Maybe for the, the top the top guys and girls in Bellator, they could have negotiated a, a better deal, maybe, with PFL. Yeah, but you know or the UFC but you know maybe it's I don't know it's, it's hard to know you know if things had, had gone differently but for a lot of the, the, the lower card fighters that you're talking about and even even as high as Clay Collard you know they probably still have contracts so they they can kind of you know make themselves they have the chance to at least make themselves uh, considered a commodity we're keeping around by PFL they, they need to make themselves the you know the soccer equivalent of, of long staff keep themselves in the in the team even though you know uh, you you think they would have been replaced by now? So, yeah, I think um, it's not all bad. Like uh, obviously this this historic uh, recent historic um, second competitor or second biggest promotion first competitor to the UFC going away is definitely a, is definitely not a good thing. But if it strengthens the PFL and the PFL, you know, they have a lot of a lot of things that they have to do. But if they do if they do the kind of the correct things over the next few years, it could. It could end up being a real, you know, I don't see it passing the UFC anytime soon, but it could be a real viable competitor that people actually, you know, uh, know. People, casual fans know. They know the name PFL, like they know the name UFC. And we, with Bellator, it never really got to that point. People, if you say Bellator, a lot of people don't know what you're talking about. But with Francis Ngannou and even Jake Paul and, you know, this acquisition and these these upcoming uh, champion versus champion fights, if they do well, they, they you know, it could be it could be turn into if the right moves are made it could turn into a big a big uh, positive for MMA as a whole uh, i i would agree with that or uh, hold on there, okay there's it could right okay let, let's talk about the positivity part of it first it could i think you have to make a few strategic changes uh for it even to be a possibility, you, you have to bring in elbows. Like, there's no doubt about that. Look, if you don't want to have them for the the tournaments or whatever, f- fair enough. Don't have them there. You have to have them in the finales. You have to have them in the normal fights and all that. You just, there's no question about that. Um, yeah, I think, I think Don actually did say recently that it makes sense to have the same rules in all of the the fights. So, yeah. Uh, uh, no, he yeah, didn't. Though. He, ha- he yeah. said it yesterday as well. They're not going to be bringing him back into PFL. They're, and he actually did say they're going to have different rules for Bellator and PFL. So, yeah, he see, and he reiterated that today. So, but that, that needs to change. I think Don Davis is another thing that needs to change, to be honest. Um, this guy, I, he seems like, um, a savvy business guy, I would say, like who can talk the lingo and all of that. Now, I, I'm not never buying any of that sort of thing. That's for people, you know, that wouldn't be MMA fans and not us. There needs to be an MMA person in there because some of the things he says are just beyond ludicrous um, and terrible terrible promotion like bit of, the, bit of the Todd Bowley's to him is, is oh there? my god it's it's ridiculous like this week he said about Francis Ngannou there's um, uh, what, what did he say there's nothing compelling in MMA heavyweight division for Francis Ngannou you're 
you're Francis Ngannou's heavyweight promoter, sorry, you're Francis Ngannou's promoter, and you're promoting a heavyweight title fight that was happening like three days after he, he's he probably been listening to Dana and learning from the king, the <laughs> godfather of MMA promotion. Ridiculous. And Dana says Francis Ngannou is a scared little, little guy who doesn't want to fight people, then, you know, who's interested? Yeah, but like, and then for here, six foot eight monster comes out and knocks out a monster wrestler in Dennis Golsov after losing the first round. And we'll obviously, we'll t- spoiler alert, we'll talk more about that in a while, but I thought that was her. And he, like, Conan Aspen Lad versus uh, Kayla Harrison, like uh, a tune up fight for Kayla Harrison. I'm like, what yeah, are sure, you we doing? Were doing like? a, we were doing a better job on a throw off comment uh, <laughs> about the heavyweight, uh, the, the jeopardy and the potential potential future for whoever wins this tournament at heavyweight and insane yeah you, yeah yeah like you know uh you're not just selling to hardcore mma fans like they're gonna watch anyway you have to sell to the casuals yeah. they don't know who these guys are like you know and you need to make out like this guy's about to you know about to destroy everybody and he, he's he's the big test for francis and you can even like do promo stuff and make up lies and but like you could say like, we have you know, a we have a taller more dangerous, harder hitter than Francis Ngannou, fighting a guy who's a better wrestler than Francis Ngannou. Hungry, like, you know, this yeah. Francis has made a lot of money now. For a Is million gonna, quid. You know, for possibly three million quid. This this writes itself. Like, this is the easiest fight ever to promote. And what does he do? No compelling matchup. <laughs> that, that, to me, is just ridiculous like so then they need to replace him and like just bring in scott coker you know scott like scott coker's not exactly you know fucking don king or anything like that but he's not gonna no, make there isn't really any options who's, who's, who are the real options that you're gonna bring in like not that many. get someone like get someone to, to face the organization i don't know who it would be like fucking brian stanislav is the obvious one but i think he's probably doing better things now and like people i was oh get chill son or someone like that i, I don't know get get someone oh. Oh, no, no, no. Daniel Carmier, he'd be a great man, but get him over and get him to do it. But, no, but I, I like anyone. In, in, in all seriousness, like you're, you're going to need, you know, some uh, Don Davis. Maybe over a few years, he'll learn. You know, he'll have people tell him say this, say that, or whatever. Like we're doing, we're doing now, and he'll, and he'll cop on. But in my experience, these guys, they just don't listen. They think they know better. And Correct. yeah, you'd want, yeah, hopefully, you know, there's somebody who can pull them aside and say, we're going to need somebody as a public kind of talker even if you're going to be the guy pulling the strings we kind of need somebody out there promoting these fights because yeah as you said that's that's a slight worry but it is very early days in all of this so i'm kind of i'm hopeful i'm i'm I, I'd like to say I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful short term, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I think it'll be really good short term. But the problem is with this, right? What is going to happen if okay? If they blow out of money. So that's that's the initial thing, right? So people probably saying, well, they have the Saudi money backing them. But the Saudi like the Saudi money is gonna be the biggest story the next year to two years to three years. Because the PFL, what you know, after getting that injection of cash from them, that lasts them a while. But how long will it last them? Like if the Saudis come in full time and give them all this money and keep them running the whole time, perfect. They can keep going forever. But now the UFC have also gone into bed with the Saudis. Plus they have WWE with them who have already done this and know how to work with the Saudis and know what to do and know how to get the biggest money out of them. Why then, if you're Saudi Arabia, would you want the PFL if you have the UFC? You know, it's, 
if you're let, let, let's say the golf right so they couldn't get the the pga at the start so they decided right we'll start our own organization we'll bring a load of lads over and we'll start playing them there if at the start of the pga go okay grand we'll just work with you then they would have just okay pga we'll come over like 10 times a year to saudi run events grand like you know they, they would have just done it that way like they've done with the wwe now that the ufc seem very happy to do that and I go, oh, like why wouldn't they be they're getting a lot of money but why wouldn't there be all right, right we can discuss that and Japan, they're looking at you know pfl got a saudi yeah. investment so they're thinking you know we don't want them to cozy up too much we want to yes. make sure that we're the ones also you know but getting when, the saudi money and remaining as the the top dogs what happens to pfl if the saudis realize well why are we giving money to pfl when we already have the ufc where do they get the money from then like where's the injection of cash coming i know they yeah. have got this is all like in, in any normal business this would all be yeah a huge worry for pfl but the fact that the saudis just they basically just print whatever money they want they just they're un, have unlimited money so uh, they, yeah yeah at the same time, I've said that you're kind of at the whim of, you know, a couple of people in Saudi Arabia. And if they get bored with something, then they get bored and it could happen. But yeah, I think they have so much money that like it's probably going to continue for the foreseeable future. Are, are they going to, do you think they will continue to bankroll both PFL and the UFC? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand why they would do that. If they have the UFC, why would you bankroll the PFL? Like, the fact that they got in there to the PFL first, okay, that makes sense. But then the UFC obviously saw that. And we're like, well, we want to do this. We, we need to get in this money, do we? Like, the, PF, the UFC knows if Saudi Arabia decided they want to be the leaders in MMA and they're going to use PFL to become that, they can do it. Because they have so much money, as you said, they just print up money. Look at all the players they signed, Ronaldo, Neymar, all the soccer, like, offering... Um, um, uh, Killing Mbappe, fucking billions a day, and they're to go. And, 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 and now they're looking at the loan back the the players to their other well, their other clubs and other leagues. That's <laughs> another discussion. But that that's it. Like like what? The, and the, my point here there is right. Um, it, here there is PFL a viable business without Saudi? Like, can they afford to pay Francis Ngannou, Jake Paul, Chris Cyborg? AJ McKee, all those massive fighters, if they don't have that Saudi injection, and if the uh, the investment they've got from other places isn't, uh, you know, eventually kind of dries up and looks for a profit, looks for something back out of them, is that going to happen? Are they looking like they're going to be a profitable, profit, profitable business anytime soon? Um, I don't think so. Luke Thomas reported uh, at the event that they sold 2,800 tickets, I believe. The uh, ticket sales for the upcoming um, uh, Dublin card are, are pretty atrocious. The Don do, we, Davis, do we have any idea how much ESPN are paying them? So that, that's the, just what I was about to come to. That deal is up, basically. Um, and Don Davis has said two weeks after the finale which happened uh, on Friday night they're going to announce a new deal so that's massive like now all that I said there let's say they sign a new deal for fucking a billion a year or whatever they, okay all, all what I just said is out the window they are a viable business they can get going but if they sign for fucking the CW or if they sign another deal where they're paying to be on a, a, a channel or whatever might be like has happened in the past with other organisations I don't know not necessarily them obviously we'll, that that's a possibility but uh, din din it's not so this TV deal is is massive for them I think and we'll we'll see where where that is because you know Bellator for a long time we saw, and and this is not me making this up or me thinking you know this could or could not happen Bellator signed with the zone 
uh, a few years ago and they got massive money out of it. You know, they were paying Kiefer Crosby and Will Flory and James Gallagher and all the Irish lads fucking 50 grand a fight or whatever it was, you know, and they were paying money left, right and centre. And then that deal ended and two or three years later they're gone. You know, and I remember saying that at the time, this is a big issue when this deal ends, where's the money gone? That money's eventually going to run out. So this is... You know, past this prologue, the, the debt of Bellator really is something they need to learn from. Because if that investment runs out, if they no longer have money to spend, are they bringing in enough money to be self-sufficient? Um, and that, that well, question I think they're, will they're be banking on Francis Ngannou and Jake Paul big time in the short term to, you know, make them a more of a household name and make them you know, an attractive proposition to some major broadcaster. And, you know, live sport is the only thing that people really are watching live. But if you put it on pay-per-views and things like that, uh, people just stream them. But if it's on live TV, people, you know, you'll be able to sell ads and everybody everybody will be happy. So, yeah, I think, as you said there, this is this is next couple of weeks or whenever this is going to get announced, this, this TV deal. If it's a, you know, a Fox uh, sports or I don't even know if that still exists, but whatever, one of those, like, you know, big, big sports channels then then great and it's yeah. probably it's, it's probably good but if if it isn't if it's you know if it's a kind of random <laughs> um, streaming service or a random uh tv that isn't tv deal that isn't available kind of in a lot of houses then that's going to be a very big problem yeah it is and even if it's not in the short term it could be in the medium or long term I think it's it's a very interesting thing that we're going to see play out over the next three years I think and uh, so the, the the positives of it would be if they got a good TV deal, if they were able to keep going. If, you know, it's weird to say a positive would be Saudi keeping investing in them, but for them it would be. Like we know, um, we, like every time we discuss it, we have to mention where the money's coming from in Saudi and sports washing and everything like that. It's not good, but it's just the reality of the situation right now. But I I think if they can sustain the business, they have some great fights that they can put on a few little tweaks and a few little changes. Look, the, the, a big thing, I think we, we, we just, we discussed the elbows. We discussed Don Davis, the production, um, the commentary and all that really, there needs to be radical changes there. If they are to become uh, a, a real player and all of that, but they can, all of those things are, are not big changes. They need an MMA person. They need a smart person there and they need a smart production person. There's plenty of them at Bellator, so they could help them out. But at the end of the day, I would say that's all, it's all unlikely to be honest. I, I, if I was to call it in five years, like if you okay, here's a question for you, Graham. In five years, and let's put it maybe five years is a bit soon, but let's say seven years. Do you think PFL slash Bellator, the entity we have at the moment, is still around? Do you think it still exists? Like not just like a name change or like a taken over by somebody. Well, if like it's, it's a, still yeah. going, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it probably is. I, I would be surprised. Would I be, surprised? would I be surprised if it wasn't? No, but I think it probably is. I, Seven I, years isn't that long, uh, long, uh, long of a time. Like, yeah. I think, I think it definitely depends on, as I said, this TV deal being crucial. Like, we're going to know a lot more once, once that comes out, I suppose. And you know, um, also obviously, you know, um, MMA, anything can happen, and with the Saudis involved, anything, anything can happen as well, as as we talked about. And there's definitely a lot of kind of fragile you know <laughs> fragile elements going on there that, that that could snap at any moment but if i if i had a free bet i'd probably say it will be going 
by I would be on the other side of that to be honest like they have they, you have an MMA organization which in itself is a risky proposition now you've put two of them risky propositions together um, and the initial bounce of that I think will work well for them but I don't think that will keep up and uh, I, I think it could be trouble if one or two things go pear-shaped it'll all come down uh, very very It's not just yeah. America though. They, they've been doing well in Europe you know France they had good like you know they, they, they've obviously got to keep that open you know try to keep doing what Bellator were doing in Ireland and other places as well you know it's definitely it definitely requires the right decisions being made early so yeah I think you know the the, the flow of the river will be set early yeah, it's interesting though because like I think and I was thinking about this yesterday, like there's a clear separation between the actual sport itself, I think, and the success of the business. Cause you could say like the the UFC sporting size side over the last let's say five years has been gradually getting like worse and worse and we're losing stars like McGregor's barely fought Jones has barely fought Ronda's gone Brock is gone like no real star has been made like is he kind of for a while but then you know he lost a couple of times O'Malley's had one big fight and like they really you know Holloway kind of never became the star they thought although he did really well and other people have done brilliantly but never like yet they are a more profitable and better business now than they have ever been um and I, I think the PFL can put a lot of good stuff together from the MMA side and we will absolutely love that from the business side I think it's it's going to be very very tough to not have a big setback and for that big setback not to be uh, cataclysmic to be honest but look we'll we'll see on that in the, in the short term though as is with everything in MMA let's just enjoy it and let's just enjoy these brilliant fights um, and look it, it could be another big opportunity for the fighters in a few years down the road as well, but we'll uh, I suppose we'll see on that, Graham. Let's talk about yeah, the... We're just going to do an Irish podcast. It's good to see the PFL have kind of linked up with a couple of Irish promotions. Yes. You know, it's, it's good to have a route there for... You know, obviously, Bellator was a bit was a big kind of... Uh, um, kind of step... Uh, or what do you say? A big um, opportunity for the, the Irish fighters coming up, and it's good to see the PFL are kind of keeping an eye on the Irish shows, and it's, it's a good sign that they plan on, you know, uh, keeping up uh, what Bellator were doing and putting on shows in the three arena, uh, hopefully anyway. Yeah, and we've, um, you know, we could tell stories, Graham, about the PFL and they have like genuinely like been talking to us about Irish fighters and who are the best guys to sign for a good few years now. So that's, you know, that's a, a good sign as well, like that they're, you know, and you know, the, the, the P, they have some really smart MMA people on it. Like, look, Ray Sefos is a, a really smart guy, and look, that Sean O'Connell and Kenny Florian and Randy on the commentary, but the likes of Greg Savage as well behind the scenes. There's no one smarter and you know in the space than Greg. And I would be, if PFL were to ask me, one of the first things they should do. I think one of the first things they should do is bring in Danny Brenner, bring in CJ Tuttle, like two of the, the smartest guys around, two of the best PR guys around, because like guys like that, and maybe people listening to this podcast don't know those guys by name, but those guys really, really help our coverage, but they also help yeah. the events run smoothly. Because and, when, you, you know, when you have to deal with guys who, you know, we've dealt with a lot of local or even, you know, bad PR people, and it's, it's a nightmare. nightmare. It is a nightmare. Yeah. It really hinders the promotion of, of of fights and promotion of events. And with Danny and CJ, it's just you know they're, they're no bullshit. You know these guys have, know exactly what they're doing. They've been around a long time. They have good relationships, 
nobody ever says a bad word about them. They're the kind of people you definitely want to keep. Yeah, hundred percent. What I was having out, and like I, I think lads like that could work with a guy like Greg Savage as well, and do a great job of even like, and like it's small things behind the scene. If people don't understand, like let's say they organise an interview for you, or like you know, there's a card coming up next week, and you know AJ McKee's fighting or something, and I could go to him like, here, any chance I could talk to AJ McKee? And those type of lads, like maybe it would not always happen, but they they try and they get it, try to get it done for you, and like I'm sure PFL and wherever else have guys like that as well, but they don't have. MMA guys like that like you you know the difference between a guy who's an MMA guy and has been for years and years and years in a job who can also do the job well there's there's just a difference like it's the thing with Don Davis I'm sure he can do his job very very well but if you had someone like him who's actually an MMA guy as well they could just do it a whole lot better and I think the likes of Danny and CJ would be very good like that and like I think Scott Coker and Mike Hogan as well uh, would be valuable assets but like some of those guys maybe don't want to maybe they had their jobs and they, they did the jobs the way they did it and they don't want to do it you know for someone else and I can 100% understand that uh, as well like so we'll see how all of those things play out over over the next while yeah, I suppose as you mentioned there people like Greg Savage people like they're people you need to keep around if you want to make the right decisions people who are in the know people who yes. you can you can turn to and ask when when you know when it's an MMA related thing not a business thing and yeah. hopefully you know there'll be a lot of kind of reliance on on those kind of people who have you know especially yeah, the people we mentioned that have been around and loads of other people obviously behind the scenes that that uh you know that aren't at the car the forefront they're the people that, that you need to keep around and if you bring in people that don't know the game you know that, that's a dangerous thing to do so yeah definitely i completely agree with you yeah um right let's talk about the pfl finale um which went down on uh on friday look i generally have been very 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 positive um Oh, about PFL over the last few years, I really like the season. I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't a big fan of it early, but I like, I thought it was a bit of a gimmick, and I was like, you just need good fighters, so it's not a gimmick. Um, and I've really, I think the, yeah, I've, I've I really, think the I, point thing is not good. Like, yeah, but that's, that's kind of, but they it's can like, keep the tournaments in, 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 a, in a, if they really want to, they can. It's possible to put them in there and keep them exciting, but. I think, as we mentioned, elbows and no point system and things like that, and like you know, a random draw and stuff. Y- you can you can improve it. I think a lot. You can, I think, but the, over the last few years, they've gotten better fighters, and it's made the system actually better itself. As you said, like there's always going to be issues with it, right? But so when you've good fighters, when you've good matchups, it leads to a good uh, promotion. It leads to good cards and all this. At the end of the day, it doesn't always lead to the best fighters at the very end. And not necessarily the best fighters, but like the guys maybe you would want to hear from your promotion. But the finale is the last few years have been fantastic and everything like that. This year, like, it's it's really been an unmitigated disaster. I think this year it's been really bad. And I don't like saying that because I actually, I really like what they do. And I like that they're doing something different. I like that they're not samey-samey. But the, all the drug test failures this year everything kind of gone haywire like and kind of almost all of their big stars being out of the tournaments just as I, I said it last week Graham it, they almost would have been better off starting from the start and as we both kind of agreed like they couldn't do that but that's what happened and then we had a finale and it was it was a really bad card it, it just dragged well I think considering all all that you said there I think they did a pretty good job of kind of Recovering did, yeah. on paper, you know, yes. uh, maybe on paper the card was a little bit better or a good bit better than it kind of turned out in in practice. But yeah. 
that can happen in MMA. You can have the most like exciting card and it can turn into, you know, a bunch of no contests for groin strikes or pokes and a bunch of boring decisions and, you know, stuff like that. So you, you, you never know in, in on fight cards, like, like sometimes a card can go the opposite way and not look great and have loads of KOs and, you know, people emerge that you didn't expect as, as actual prospects and things like that. So I think considering all the stuff that you said, like, and how the drug tests and the, you know, everything kind of falling apart, I think, considering all that it wasn't it wasn't too bad like I think if they had of you know had time to match make and set this all up the way they wanted to it, it would have looked a lot different I I 100% agree that they had recovered a good card and I pre- previewed it last week previewed it, I previewed it here and over in Chardog as well and there was no doubt about it that it looked a good card but didn't, it just didn't turn out to be one you know so even the things that they did well, they kind of turned out badly. And there were some good sparks in it, don't get me wrong. It wasn't completely bad, but it just, it was so long and there were so many decisions. And like the Zoom guests on the commentary just made it all so let's much worse. Jake, Jake Paul and on Zoom in the let's corner. Hear from here. Ryan oh Bader and these grainy fucking 280p Zoom thing. I was like, oh my God. But yeah, it just, and like the, last year. It's always long. Look, when you have fucking five five-minute round fights, uh, it's five of them, or six of them, or whatever it is, it's going to be a longer night. But we, we know that. But it's just dragged and dragged and dragged where it hasn't before. And uh, I wonder would they be able to get Bosco to pop up on Zoom and during, during the Irish event. They could. They should do um, they, they should do a weekend. I said this before. They should do... A Friday night card and a Saturday night card have how many have you? Like six champion. If you have six championship fights, do three in one night, three on the next night. Do the PFL Championship weekend. I think it'll be absolutely fantastic. They should do it that way. But like I suppose to, to have a quick recap of uh, of this one, Graham. Um, first of all, the the Pinedo Braga fight that stoppage. It was horrible. Like, come on, so like, I know. I know the, the fighter's protection is, is number one and all that, but the fight exactly before that was an amateur fight. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, and there was a lot more of a chance given to the, to the Lopez, the the losing fighter when he was, when he was definitely, you know, you could have stopped it earlier, even if it was a, even if it was a pro fight, never mind an amateur fight. And in this Braga Pinedo fight, uh, like brilliant story for Pinedo, all that stuff, like absolutely fantastic. But, it does take away from it a little bit when it's such a such a bad stoppage. Yeah, it's like it takes. Take, we talked about this last week with one of the, um, one of the you know the fights that was an early stoppage, and it's like it it takes away from everything. It takes away from the guy. Like Pineda was a better fighter than that. He was very good, and it took away from him because he, you know, he still he won the fight. But it took away like a clean victory. It took away someone who, um, you know, it took away someone's million pound inauguration as this really good fighter who lost to Bragg earlier in the year, beat fucking Brennan Lochnan, Bubba Jenkins, had an unbelievable year. And all anyone's talking about 
is the early stoppage because it was an early stoppage. Like, and we have to talk about that because it was so bad. Like, it's it's awful. Like, I'm, I'm sure Pinedo's at home drawing his tears <laughs> yeah, with a million dollars in cash. But at the same time, like, and then also, like, it takes away the possibility of a great comeback and a great fight and everything like that. Uh, it's just, it's so annoying when those things happen. Like, this is the third one as well. There's just, there's just no need for it. Like, there's no need for it because there was a big shot before that. And, like, if you were to make a mistake and stop the fight there when, like, someone gets knocked down, no problem, right? Oh, fuck you, fuck up. You can understand it there, but someone, the guy's gotten back up. He's trying to defend. He's putting his arms up. Okay, Pinedo's coming straight at him and going hard at him, no doubt about it, but this is fucking mixed martial arts. Like, how many times have we seen that exact situation happens and then the, the, the guy in Braga's position just kind of opens up and throws a big right hand and like doesn't even like sometimes they'd knock him out but the most of the time they'd like hit him at one and then Pinedo be like oh shit he's still alive and then they kind of jab and jab and then Braga gets a bit of life back into him and you know gets to the end of the round how many like how many times have we yeah. seen that happen so many times yeah. And it takes away from classic, like memorable fights where it's knocked down, drag out. You know, one guy's nearly finished, the other guy's like, you know, maybe, maybe it would have been Pinedo, like three more, four more, five more, whatever, a flurry, and it would have been, it would have been over. But we don't know. Maybe Braga would have, you know, thrown a punch and countered. And you know, we've seen it so many times in different fights. If you watched like thousands and thousands of fights, like we have, we've seen it so many times. And you know, classic fights that we mentioned, like classic Irish fights, like like obviously the three arena. There was an amazing boxing bout tonight, and there was an amazing atmosphere. And the Carl Pendred one was, was against Mike King was was another one where you know he was way more hurt, way many more occasions than Braga was there, and uh, was given the chance by Mark Goddard to to fight on, and it just it's it's just disappointing. Yeah, it really is, but. What can you do? Uh, you know, um, people probably forget over time, but yeah, I think, I think you have to call it out. I think, uh, I think it's becoming a little bit of a trend where referees are actually. It's becoming a, a thing I've noticed more. I don't know if it's, you know, if it's if it's in my mind or if it's it would play out in the in the data, but it seems like we're getting a few more than we than we used to get, especially especially a few years ago. Where we're de- it's, it's definitely, in my opinion, an uptake in in early stoppages and. Um. Yeah. It's it's it, it just it just it just leaves a kind of sour taste in your in your mouth, especially if it's a you know a huge jeopardy, huge uh, importance fight like like a tournament final, like or a title fight or a million dollar fight or these kind of things. Yeah, it's I agree with you as well. Like we. And it's very hard, like, it's not that they have an easy job or anything like that, there's no no shred or doubt about that, but it is, uh, it, you need the best refs in there as well, and you, you, we saw some of the refs that were in there in the PFL finale, and it just, yeah, the, you know, the Yamasaki was I, back I thought, there. I thought we got rid of the Yamasakis, yeah. they're back. <laughs> there's, there's two of them, they fucking multiplied, yeah, that's <laughs> already... Where these all where these all these fucking Yamazaki's coming out of? And that lad, what was his name? Ke- Ke- Kevin McDonald. Here they have uh, s- s- several children in, in MMA ref training as well. <laughs> the both of them. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. But uh, look, with that said as well, Pinedo, brilliant from him. Like a, a brilliant performance for him, but a brilliant season for him as well. And him versus Patricio, who faced off afterwards. That's a fucking fun fight. Like, and I think a big issue as well is not a lot of people know Pinedo now. And you need a good promoter to promote him and tell people how good he is. And uh, that's a that's a good fun fight there as well. Let's we we sit to all the championship fights. We get to the other stuff afterwards. Uh, 
to me, Impa Kasanganai was the the star of of the year. Like I picked against him in the last two fights, and wrongly so. He looked he looked so good. I think someone said, let me just check it here. I think he's five and zero this year. You know, he came through the Challenger series. Obviously, the the drug test failures happened. He got a spot, and what a fucking like what a, a, a guy to prey on that like he was supposed to have a fight um in january of last year on uh, afl or somewhere uh got the bfl call fought twice in the space of a month fought three times in the space of three months won them all against some good guys in there as well you know fought martin hamlet was a tough matchup last time out fought joshua silvera who's a very very good fighter and like it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world okay it was kind of the start of him but the speech he gave afterwards uh the performance he put on in terms of controlling the fight his cardio was unbelievable and a, a guy like who was one half of the greatest knockout of all time yeah i was just waiting to say that yeah brilliant wasn't it It was a good performance yeah you know that's what like we always talk about guys you need to wait till you're ready to you know get into the ufc it's uh, you know what was he six and oh he won a contender series fight at six and oh and he's in the ufc and you know you lose a couple of fights and even he came out of the ufc got cut from the ufc and uh, lost another fight there you're on it you know it's it potentially could have ruined uh, a massive potential that we're seeing now since he came to PFL, uh, getting to the UFC too early and not being ready. And, you know, um, it, it, a bit of, like, it could have been a cautionary tale. He, obviously, the experience has really stood to him. Clearly, he's he's learned from, from that and he's, you know, developed. But it, really, did he need to go down that rocky road too early? Like, that's, that, that's why I'm always going to, maybe people think I'm a bit too hesitant for, you know, to say guys should go to big promotions early and obviously you want to get paid and you know guys are struggling and stuff I understand that but for the longevity of your career sometimes it is better to wait yeah and like I have a podcast coming out next week as well that myself and Ian talked about like we were talking about the lightweight division but it's the same for a lot of divisions like you look at all the people in the top 10 of the lightweight division and all of them are like in the top 15 of the amount of fights they've had in that division you know i think the only one that isn't is like fiziev but everyone else it's it's crazy like and you know that that definitely is the situation look at katanga i know he's 18 fights into his career that that that's a good few fights in your career like in your risk of kind of coming into yourself there but like the speech you gave afterwards he like a sing-along with his family he called out francis Ngannou and, and that was that was fucking fantastic he thought he called out nimkov as well i think so that's a fight that'll probably happen in, in the february one so that'll be uh that'll be fantastic um the performance at night i would say probably came from apparently don, De- don davis heard and came out and said that he absolutely sucks yeah <laughs> Don Davis is just like the the anti promoter. <laughs> even even if he's not that bad, like we we we'll, 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 but um. Megamed Megamed Karamov, he just put on a great performance against Sadabusi. It was it was a weird one, right? Because C did a great job stopping the takedowns in the first couple of rounds, and the commentary were kind of just like playing up what C was doing. But I think my guy Ian Parker came on and he was like. Well, lads, you know, sees this up in the takedowns, but Megamed Megamed Karimov is landing the better shots here. And he made a great point, and I actually think it changed our commentary. So that was a great call by him, fair play. And they kind of, I think they kind of realized after that what was kind of going on uh, in the fight. Um, and it, it did, it did really turn around uh, from them. I, I think. Uh, it turned around in terms of them talking about it, but it also turned around, funnily enough, in terms of what was happening in the fight because. Megamed just kind of went to 
another gear in my opinion uh, in that din and like the end was a beautiful sequence he hit the body C dipped in for a takedown which is like the worst thing you can do against Megamed Megamed Karma because he has an unbelievable guillotine jumped it um, and it was it was it was just straight away you knew this okay this guy jumps a guillotine it doesn't matter if he doesn't get it because what's he going to do like C is going to stay on top of him for a while he's going to turn around either get on top or just get back to the feet um but and, and he's, he, he he strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't jump a guillotine unless he he's pretty sure he has it. Yes, and see like you know it's a wrestler getting wrestled by a, a kind of a non wrestler. Although he can wrestle as well, but a really good wrestler getting wrestled, and he knows that position better than most. And he's like he's so like it's like you know when Verdum and uh, Jacare and all started throwing those big wheel kicks because like what's the worst that can happen? They'll end up on their back. Someone will come and top them. Okay, grand. You know this is where I want you anyway. Felt a little bit like that where he can go for, it. but as you said, it was the perfect position to go for. It. Like, if if uh, let's say Friends Malambo was in the same position, <laughs> you wouldn't maybe run for him to go for it, uh, or, or you know, another good striker, you know, Hin and Fehe, as we'll talk about in a second. But uh, for Mega Mikarimov, it was the right decision, and uh, he got the finish. So it will be him versus Jason Jackson, and what a fucking fight that is! Oof. Jesus Christ, that is high. High, high level. If you don't know these two lads, you're just a UFC fan or anything like that. By God, that's that's as good as any UFC welterweight fight they're putting on. That is high level stuff. Can't wait for that one. Um, then we eat Pacheco versus Marina Makatena. And do you know what? I wrote Marina off last week, but didn't she put on a great performance here? To be fair, Pacheco uh, was given a lot of problems by her. I, I think Makatena could have won two rounds here. Um, um, she, do, you, do you think this was a bit of a case I saw a reaction I think there's a bit of a case of people expecting Pacheco to maybe not not, uh, not be caused as much trouble by Marina maybe gave but Marina was doing a little bit too much credit I thought that, that was yeah, maybe well, the case I, 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 I thought like nearly all of the impactful strikes and all that stuff were yeah Pacheco definitely Pacheco. won the fight and like won either three or four rounds I don't think there's any doubt about that but like I think most people coming in didn't expect Marina to almost lay a glove on her. Like, I, I've watched all of Marina's fights over the last one. Yeah, no, that, that, that's proved. kind of what I mean, though. That's kind of, yeah. you know, the fact that she was kind of doing a little bit or a good bit better than expected, even though she was kind of getting dominated, in my opinion, um, in most, obviously she had her moments, but no real danger. I, I didn't think so. I think it was a bit of a bit of that where if it was, <clears throat> if, you know, Pacheco put on this performance against somebody who was, kind of more was expected of than you know I think maybe the I don't think so yeah. because right so the only other person really in the division that that could be true of is, is Kayla Harrison like everyone else in the division Kayla and her are supposed to destroy so like anyone that they don't destroy it's automatically going to be like oh this person's doing better and I understand like if you were to take fighter A versus fighter B look Pacheco was clearly the better fighter but like Pacheco didn't fight to her level and I think Marina fought probably above her level like if you're to be fair about it if we talk about the levels coming in before and like I'll say it again like Marina has been improving and she's a sort honestly I'll say this as well she's a sort of fighter I think next year let's say if Pacheco and Harrison aren't in the tournament 
you know, she could be the favorite going into that. I think there, there's like the people like Julia Bud Aspinall. She could cause the likes of them problems. I, I think so. You know, there's definitely a bit of an improvement. But your look, your general point, I think, is right. If it's fighter A versus fighter B, Pacheco was clearly the better fighter. But the fact that we know who the two fighters were, the fact that one was like a plus, you know, seven hundred underdog or whatever it was, you have. Well, I think we have to acknowledge that as well. But uh, what do you what do you think should happen with the 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 whole women's division here? Like, you know, we'll, we'll say no, Kelly Harrison beat Aspinall earlier on a workmanlike enough performance she was good but it wasn't exactly blow away I went to decision against you know in a tuna fight as Dan Davis said are you wanting Harrison versus Pacheco are you wanting Harrison versus Cyborg are you wanting Pacheco versus Cyborg are you wanting McCourt versus Cyborg what are you thinking Graham um what I'm thinking yeah if they're going to run Bellator by itself and Chris Cyborg is talking about fighting Leah it's probably going to be in Bellator but I would like them to just, you know, have a, if they're going to do tournaments, to have a big tournament where they bring all the Bellator girls and they, they have their girls and they fight it out. That, that would be good too, you know. Um, I think what's going to happen is they're going to, you know, keep the likes of Cyborg separate for the moment. And then, you know, depending on obviously where everybody is and, and obviously contracts and stuff like that are, are going to play a part in it as well. But in an ideal world, like, you know, if they're going to keep the tournaments, which it looks like they're, they're going to from what Don Davis is saying, then a big tournament with all, with all those girls mixed together would be if they could, you know, keep it semi from falling apart. It is MMA tournaments. Most of the time don't work. Uh, exactly as planned but you have a lot of options now or a lot more options now than, than you did before and you know it's kind of the place to be uh, if you're a, if you're a woman around that 100%. way it's, it's definitely the place to be so yeah I think maybe within the year we might see we might see a, a big tournament this is the division I think that will benefit from the merger the most but also kind of has the more I suppose early drawbacks if you want to put it that way like they're talking about doing this card in February the champion versus champion card uh, Chris Cyborg is obviously the champion 145 pounds in Bellator but she has a boxing match in January so is she going to be turning around fighting again in February on, on that champion versus champion card uh, I, I don't know I doubt it like so what do you do with that situation because like I feel like from the start Sorry, did, did they say they were going to do all the champion fights on one card yes on one card yeah oh I thought it was going to be spread out of it. No, oh, all in one card. Yeah, so in February they're doing all of these fights. That, from what I believe, anyway, maybe I got no. That is it. Yeah, they're doing. They're, they're like literally naming it like Bellator champions versus PFL champions. So, um, like. <laughs> I think you need to get it moving. You need like let's do Pacheco versus Harrison on that. Let's see who is the, the number one woman in PFL, right? That's no problem. We we can do that fight. That fight needs to be had. Let's do, tie tie up the loose ends of the who is the who is the best. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's do you know if Cyborg and, and like from there maybe we just start the tournament and they're all put into the tournament uh, or whatever. Well, like it, I I actually don't I I think this right the Bellator and PFL women's divisions coming together. If they had a tournament, it would be great. But if I think it's better to get the timing right. 
I think it's better to put them all in there together. Let's ha- start having some real fights. Let's ha- start having the best fighting, the best straight away, and let's make this the best women's 145-pound division in the world. Like, some of the matchups you could have would be absolutely fantastic. And, like, you also don't have, like, like let's say Sinead Kavanaugh now. She's in a position where she's fought them all, basically, in Bellator. But, like, let's say you put a Sinead Kavanaugh in there now against Marina Makathina, who was looked pretty good last night. If she wins that fight, or, or if Marina was winning, then they go back on are run again to get back to the, the, the Pachecos, the, the, the Harrisons and all that, and you're immediately building people. Before it was very hard, or, you know, previously with both PFL and Bellator, it's very hard because it's kind of the same people all the time, but now that kind of changes. And I'm not sure if you're necessarily doing that with a tournament. I don't know if the tournament is the best way to do it. Plus, like, they're going to start in the tournament in uh, January, February, March, April, April, I think. That's a big quick turnaround from February again, to have the the top people in it available i i really think pfl as well if they're going to do tournaments do the tournaments right but spread them out a little bit do tournaments at different times let's keep this um let's keep this train going like we, we why why not have uh six monthly finale cards why does it all why does it have to be one finale at the end of the year let's start one tournament in january straight away after the other one ends and let's start another tournament you know in in um and let, and let that go to next November or whatever start another tournament in July and let that go to you know the the, the May beforehand or whatever and like we, we have two finales throughout the year let's do that let's get more divisions and yeah you have more points. selling points to a million yeah. dollar void tournament champion for more events more cards yeah yeah I, I think that really I think I, I, I thought that what they would do with the champion versus champion they might have a couple of them on each card and spread it out a bit because you know you, you want to have big attractions to you know get traction behind your events yeah, I'm like obviously that's kind of going back to the conversation we just had. But what they do with this women's division is very, very, very intriguing to me. Um, and like, it's it's a weird one because like if they if they do Pacheco versus Cyborg in February, right? I suppose that would solve a lot of problems. But it lets so many people in limbo. Also, Kayla Harrison, I believe, is out of contract come January. So what is she going to do? Like, are the UFC going to make a play? Like, this is a massive one as well for the UFC. Are they going to make a play for Kayla Harrison? Because, like, do you really want that? Like, Harrison versus Cyborg is the biggest fight in women's MMA right now, if they do it, right? Still, even though Harrison wasn't the champion this year and she lost to Pacheco and all that, that's still a, a big fight. If the UFC were to take away that fight from them, you would... It'd be massive for it'd be terrible for the PFL and be it wouldn't be massive for the UFC, but it'd be good for the UFC. But I also think it'd be a sign that the UFC are a little bit worried about PFL and are like you know might pay an extra little bit w- to take someone w- away. Would Kyle Harrison even want to go to the UFC at the moment? I now don't know. maybe like the, the you know did, uh, did they have her division was, like who's she gonna fight? Uh, how many fights? Uh, you know how much are they gonna really realistically gonna offer? Her? Is she better off? You know. Uh, financially staying in PFL maybe moment. but do you think Amanda Nunes might come back if Kayla Harrison was there uh, see that happening uh, um, I don't know like she kind of Amanda Nunes I think a little bit lost the uh, yeah, the love of it or the yeah I think uh, I think look it's very you know, interesting obviously games. if the pay packet was right you know <laughs> everybody has their prize but yeah I, I, I don't think she's in a rush to come back I, I think the biggest issue here is it's time dependent because everything has to be sorted out by April for this to uh, for this tournament. Well, like, well, April's coming what, what, what are these Bellator events going to look like if all these fighters are like? Are these going to be so? There's going to really be two title fights. Events? There's going to be two title fights in every single Bellator card. Don Davis has said. Yeah. 
So, so they're gonna need they're gonna need to use these current champions. They can't just move them over. So So there's uh, the one thirty five pound division, Patchy Mix's division. Uh PFL don't have a thirty hundred thirty five pound division. So like we could see Patchy Mix, you know, who do you fight Megan, you know, uh Stotts maybe again or James Gallagher or you know, someone like whoever's gonna be the next guy to uh to find that spot. And then Eblin as well, they don't have the middleweight division. So I suppose that's two easy ones to start it off. But like if you think about it, right? So the champion versus champion matchup is going to start in, in is going to happen in February, and uh, let's say Jason Jackson, like win or lose, there he's still the Bellator champion, I would assume. So like he could fight again in the summer in one of the big Bellator cards, you know, against who would who he fight against? I don't know who's a good Bellator welterweight there, Graham. Uh, I don't know Amazon. So, maybe so, so they, they won't be like sure. unification fights. They'll just be. No, I don't think so. Anyway, no, 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 I don't think it will be. No, no. That'd be a bit weird, would it? Yeah, like, it does. He, he, champion versus champion, and then he the champion loses and leaves with his belt. Remains the champion, yeah. They're, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It is all a bit odd. And maybe they, maybe they don't. Maybe, and maybe they are unification fights. It doesn't, maybe doesn't really wrong. matter. Like, it's just a, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, maybe it. I'm wrong. Maybe they are unification fights, and maybe they'll all just go into the PFL. But Don Davis has also said, like, the people who want to stay in, in Bellator can stay in Bellator, and the people who want to come to the PFL can come to the PFL. We'll see, I suppose. We'll, we'll see, and I suppose that'll all work itself out. Anyway, we'll get through the rest of this paragraph. Um, we talked about Hina Fahea. Got wrestled in the first round against Dennis Galsov. Came straight out, landed a big shot at the start of the second. Knocked him down and hammer-fisted him out of there in 26 seconds. A great win, obviously. We, we talked about that, so we won't say that too much. But I'd be very excited to see him fight Francis Ngannou, to be honest. Like, I'm an MMA fan. You're an MMA fan, Graham. Lots of people listen to this like, great. Like, Francis boxing people, fine. Do, do I want to see him fight MMA. Like, come on. Do, do you think Francis wants to fight you know somebody kind of unknown and is it a too big of a risk when you know he has so much money on the table and button it is. does it you know yeah. if he goes in there and loses or doesn't even lose or looks kind of not great uh and you know he has had major injuries you know he looked phenomenal boxing wise against Dyson Fury but he's been out of MMA for a while he's like recovering from surgeries and injuries and things like that recently enough uh, could he get himself motivated for, you know does does he want that? You know, his promoters out there saying that nobody cares about this guy. Uh, he's not really. <laughs> it's not looking that attractive for Francis no, like, to fight somebody like this. Uh, we're MMA fans as well. Like we shouldn't be ashamed. Well, did Don Davis not say it was likely that he'd be like a mixed rules fight with a boxer? Or yeah, some, oh god, that's something the, like that. Fuck off with that shit, like. Like I'd watch all of this, no problem. But like, why? why? <laughs> yeah, but maybe the public are more interested in stuff like that uh, now than they are in, yeah, like, in why, you know, uh, <laughs> Hennon versus Francis. Yeah, match. why? Why should like why are MMA fans being like, oh, what's wrong with you? You want to see the uh, arguably the best heavyweight MMA fighter in the world in an MMA fight? What's wrong with you? Why would you? Why would you want to see? Oh, that? yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just no, saying not you, Francis but in general, things. like, yeah, but in but that's grand. Like, I understand it from Francis. What about my point of view? What about the MMA fans' point of view? Like, why would we well, want to see the? I want to see, and maybe you know, I want to see him earn a lot of money as well. Don't get me wrong. You you want to see the best team, the best teams play each other? No, that Super League was was evil, evil. I like yeah. the Super League. I was always <laughs> pro Super League, and now no, I'm not gonna have no, just the way it's kind of been it tried to kill the Premier League even though it was trying to take over from the Champions League and yeah. it was evil and yeah it's just like okay it was, it nah, definitely wasn't structured the right way or whatever but well, yeah, football, it's, it's, football has been ruined by money and next thing Man City winning every fucking <laughs> everything gone and Marcus Rashford and fucking 300 grand a week and he couldn't lace his own boots like fuck's sake oh, anyway 
Fair play to Finn and Fahey. And in the main event then, oh my God, this is one of the most frustrating fights I've watched in a long time. This was a good good enough fight, but like, Obama Mercia and Clay Collard went out there and had a very good first round. It was actually, it was a pretty good fight in all. Like, I, I know some people didn't like it, but I, I, it was the edge of the seat type of fight for me. Um, but in the second round, like, Clay Collard had landed some good leg kicks in the first round, but in the second round, you could see that Auburn Mercia was clearly, like, getting hurt by him. And every time he was forced to stand, like, obviously, Auburn Mercia got a lot of takedowns in this fight and was winning with the takedowns mostly. And he was doing well on the feet as well. But, like, he was clearly damaged by the leg kicks. And, like, you come out for the round, in round three especially, and Clay Collard, like... You're looking at him, he's like, fall away. He kicked him at one leg kick at, in the second round. He fell down. And like, Jesus, this... And he twisted his leg as well, kind of. And you're thinking, third round, right? Kick the leg. And he had him... It was on the feet for large portions. And it was 4.59.99 of the third round before he kicked the leg. And I'm sitting there like, what are you doing? This guy is like, on the way out. Kick the leg four times. Don't get taken yeah. down. And you have yeah. this. And he went three yeah. rounds, you know, and he never did. You it. know, you, you definitely have to be wary of. Oh, okay, this guy is taking me down. Uh, you know, a lot of a throw leg. If a throw leg, he might be taken down. But he was attacking or, with like, punches. You know, when you already have the guy's leg injured, and you visibly like you know, and you just you, you gotta go for it. Like you gotta go for it. I know you know. I know you don't want to end up on your back, but it did seem like. Yeah. But he was he, he was going for it. Know. But he wasn't going for the leg. Like he went and tried to win the fight. No, I mean I mean going for it as in going for the, the yeah. injured leg. It was yeah, ridiculous. you know, it's 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 you're thinking, okay, obviously he's not he's gonna try and disguise it, he's not gonna just throw it out there and get taken down, but surely he's gonna throw it and then just not 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 and it, uh, as you said, it's it's frustrating to watch, and I'm sure Clay Collard will watch that back and just be like, "Oh, I'll haunt him, head in his hands, and just be like, what is wrong with me?'" Yeah. But like his corner should have been screaming at him, yes. "Leg kicks, leg kicks." I mean, maybe they were, and we couldn't hear it, but you know, uh, it's it really, it, you know, open mercy account himself. You know, extreme. When, when that happened in the second round, he's thinking, "I've got a long way to go." Yep. Uh, and yeah, he'd be he'd be delighted. Fair he'd be absolutely him, though, delighted for to come through that. Absolutely, absolutely. Damage, yeah. insane heart and and smarts as well by Open Mercy. He did brilliantly. Like you can only meet what's against you, and like he did, he did unbelievably well in that situation. But God Almighty, like it's it's one of those slipped away for Clay. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those ones when you're sixty years of age, you look back at it and you think that's where I could have won the million. That's where I could have got the belt, and I, you know. And it's we don't see it that often in MMA, like because you you know usually as you said, there's corner people in MMA, like they tell them to do it, and they, it when it's as obvious as that, it it almost always happens. Or if it doesn't, like someone they're kind of stopped by the other person, like they'll continue to take them down. But that wasn't necessarily the case here. Like Collard won the fourth round, like he was the better fighter in the fourth round, and he still wasn't able to get him out of there. Ah, oh, was very frustrating. It also was one of those fights as well. I think where. A lot of people were saying, oh, it's 2 2 going into the fifth. And I'm like, I don't know where people were getting those cards from. Like, Collard won the four, but he didn't win any of the other rounds. It was, this was well, it depends on how much you put into the impact of the actual leg kicks, you know? Yeah, you, but. You could make an argument, you know? They were mostly, I think, in the second round where he got taken down and, yeah. like, dominated, I think, for most of that round. But you could say the, the biggest stuff. impact was the, you know, big damage to his leg that should have turned the fight for Clay Collar, but. Yeah, but. Somehow, I, I, somehow didn't. I think I mean, people get in the third. I actually though. think. I, I think OAM won it, but. I, 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 that round, but I, like you could make an argument. I, I, well, you, it's like, you it's know. it's one of those arguments you make, 
in like the fourth round when you see the damage that's done like you it was more accumulative damage than immediately impactful damage I think so like he got the benefit of it this is a good judging discussion actually he got the benefit of it because he won the fourth round and should have won the fight because of the accumulated damage he did but I don't think there was enough immediately impactful damage to actually win an early round because of those leg kicks which is that's a great explanation for me there now Grant that's uh, you've not come back <laughs> that was bad you already have congratulations but uh, yeah I, I enjoyed the fight um and uh, yeah, that was at Obamers. Obamers did the fakest retirement after that. Like he was crying, and it looked real and all. But I'm like, come on, you're 34 years of age. They just like PFL just bought Bellator. Here's your chance to like have the fucking like you've won two million dollars in a row now. Here's a chance to have a few fun fights. Probably yeah, we don't believe retirements at the best of times, mate. Yeah, like where they don't fucking come out with, with this nonsense. Like, like it's the most exciting time of your career right now. Like why why would you give it up now? Like it's just. I don't know. It was it was it was bizarre, like really bizarre. Like I, I like Open Mercy. Maybe maybe, maybe like you know, you had a plan. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna win the money, and then I'm you know I'm I'm gonna think, and then it didn't work. You know, I don't know. Who knows what people are thinking in their head at the time? But it's an emotional game and all that. And maybe he was also disappointed with his performance a, a bit. You know, these guys are hurting themselves. I don't know what's going on in this guy's head. I'm just I'm just you know spitballing here. But once all the dust settles and and everything, and you know, you know, a PFL are putting on these big events, surely you know you're gonna just be like, oh, yeah, MMA retirements, yeah. And yeah. you know, these lives are in these guys' lives are in the gym, and as you said, he's 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 in his early to mid thirties. Like it's not as if he's, you know, pushing forty or anything like that, or uh, looks way over the hill. He's kind of the same fighter, you know, that I expected him to be. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to his next one, as we say. Yeah, but it's all—it's one of those things as well. It's like, okay, like if he did retire and he never fought again, and he went off with his two million, lived like I would be. There'd be no one happier than me if that happened. Like, but it feels like it feels like there's a lot of people who just like talk about reality as if it doesn't fucking exist in MMA anymore. I'm like, well, are we gone mad? Like, have we seen MMA for the last fucking twenty years and understand it? Like, no, I don't know. But yeah, for, like fair play to him anyway. It was a good performance and. Looking forward to this next one. Um, so yeah, all in all, it's a pretty pretty bad card, a pretty pretty bad season. It was the first bad season, really. I've enjoyed all the rest of them. Look, next season could be their best ever, so I'm looking forward to seeing them coming back. Um, Cage Warriors had their last card of the year, apart from the upcoming um, uh, one in America, which has, I broke the news, Hinnenborough against Ricky Ben, or sorry, Hinnenborough, uh, Wilson Hayes against... Ricky Bandeas coming up on it, which is a fucking great fight. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But uh, this went down in Newcastle, and the atmosphere was was unbelievable. There it was a uh, uh, they put on a, a pretty uh, a pretty good card here with a lot of finishes uh, on it as well. I suppose one of the most shocking ones was Amir uh, Malikpour guillotined Dylan Hazan uh, in the first round in in a fight, which was was a bit crazy. So Hazan, you know, coming off of two losses after losing to Kaelin Lockhart as well. So there's a big, I suppose, building. Um, time coming for him like he's still a still a top prospect there's no doubt about it like that, that leader he'll either ruin you or make you those two losses so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh what he does next um, big knockouts in, in the undercard Orlando Prince got a, a first round knockout again he's moving to 5-2 and two now that record you know he's better than that record that was a very very good win for him Kennedy Freeman Graham who is the daughter of Ian Freeman moved to 4-0 and oh. um I believe she hadn't fought in a few years, 
But um, she came, yeah, she came back after having fought since 2018. I was talking to Brad about. It. I think he said that she had gone to uh, gone to college or something like that. But she's coming back here now. And her, her and Frank Muir's daughter are going to fight in a few years. I reckon that that would be a fun fight. Let's make that happen. Um, Milada Hadi as well got a win there. Darren Stewart absolutely destroyed Antonio Zovac in their fight. Chris Bungard, what a win for Chris Bungard. He got a submission triangle, then he jumped into the crowd, then he jumped further into the crowd and ran about 30 rows uh, up, into, <laughs> up into the fans. They started playing yeah. yesterday, yeah. you could boogie and all. Unbelievable, Graham. Yeah, it looked like a it looked like an amazing atmosphere, and it was a you know one of them kind of come from behind. It looked like he you know there's more good leg kicks going in there. It looked like you know things weren't all going his way, and you know once he once he kind of got the opportunity, he seized on he he you know he transitioned and threatened a couple of submissions and got got the triangle armbar, and as you said, uh, it was a it was a raucous you probably say crowd, and you know it's always. Sometimes you see guys try to jump into the crowd when the crowd aren't going that mad, and it's kind of a bit cringe. But this this seemed like a kind of a, a, a big moment, and yeah, it was it was uh, overall it was a it was a good night for Cage Warriors again. And, you know, having having those atmospheres uh, shouldn't be taken for granted. You know, we see a lot of <laughs> even in the UFC a lot of bad crowds, and you know, uh, it definitely adds massively to the to the event. You know, even in the Katie Taylor about having having a big crowd behind behind the fight and you know people so into it is definitely a, a huge thing for the for the excitement and for the 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 intrigue of the event without a doubt and uh, I think you know Mick Stanton had some of that for him when he came out but what a comeback this was from Dario Bellanio watching it and you know as you said we, we might talk about the Katie fight in a minute but the Katie fight kind of started uh, in in the middle of this turning around. So I'm just looking at the judges' cards here, Graham. Um, our, our guys, Ben Carlidge, David Leatherby, Paul Barton, all had round one for Stanton. Two of the three had round two for Stanton. And then all three had rounds three, four, and five for Dario Bellandi, who was crowned the new champion of the middleweight division in Cagers. And that yeah. tells you all you need to know about it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I had three, four, four and five for uh, Belandi as well. I think, like you know, uh, in, in the first couple of rounds, obviously Staunton is bringing the pressure, and I think Belandi was throwing. He was trying to look for that big, yes. big strike, that big. He's throwing way too hard, but once he kind of, uh, you know, maybe his corner. I'm not sure what was said to him, but he kind of eventually realized. Uh, however, he realized that he he adapted and he he started being more crisp and more kind of sharp and straight with his punches. And once he did that, he wore down Staunton and Staunton kind of, you know, ran out of gas and ran out of ideas and got bloodied up a bit. And yeah, it was, uh, you know, in the first couple of rounds, I was thinking, you know, this guy's a good fighter, but maybe, maybe this kind of, this level has come a little bit too quickly for him. But, you know, uh, yeah, you know, and maybe it's maybe it has still, but like for for a guy so early in his career to be able to adapt on the fly against a good guy like that, and you know, being two rounds down in a, in a title fight, and you know, to yeah, just just re- really really good, really good, really good uh, performance. I think there was a major turning point here. I I believe it was in round three. May, it might have been in round two, but it was so Stanton and the the commentary team did a good job Redzer and the lads and, and Brad and, and uh, the Raspberry Epp and I think it was the Raspberry Epp who actually said it um, about how Mick Stanton like he keeps we saw in the Will Curry fight he keeps giving up his back and then get, getting this Kimura and then he kind of gets on top but he gets in a dominant position but Balandi got it, he yeah, got in that position he, yeah. once and Balandi just he simply just stepped over his head and then he almost took his back and it forced Stanton to stand up 
And after that, there, Stanton there, there, there was opportunities for Stanton. It happened several times. There was opportunities for him to kind of like abandon the Camorra and take top position, and he just didn't. refuse to do he it. He just yeah. like held on to it way too long, and it yeah. ended up like nearly every time, if not every time, that he ended up in the in the worst position and had to let go of it in the end anyway. So, and then Belandi like got used to being in that position. He found a way out of it, and then he kind of grew on the feet because he knew like, what's he going to do to me? He's just going to put me in the same position every time. I know the get out from that now. So I'm grand. <laughs> In. His striking improved. He started uh, landing. He landed. McSandon landed left hooks early. Redder was calling him very well. And then Belandi started landing his hooks. Straight shots down the middle, as you said, bloodied up. And the fight just turned. And from that point on, it was all Belandi. And a very, very good win for him here. Like that, that middleweight division. It's just a merry-go-round of champions, and it's great. Like it's very fun, but there's tough, hard men getting their opportunities in there, and it's uh, it's good to see. And they're always uh, they're always good fights. Uh, and then in the main event, talking about tough, hard men, Liam getting Liam Gittins goes in there, wins rounds one, two, three, and four on all of the judges' cards, and loses round five, which was not. Nah, I was watching that not. A blow away or anything, you know. McCune was brought it on a little bit in the fifth, but I think he kind of knew he had it in the bag, and yeah, yeah, let it down. Was happy enough to just ride it out, <laughs> like uh, yeah. But yeah. it was one of those fights where McCune, I think, had to get a lot of takedowns to win this fight, or else like be controlled on the feet. But when he couldn't get that against someone like Liam Gittins, it's a tough fight for him. And like Gittins, you know, he's a He's a, t- as I said, a tough man. He brings it to you. He'll make you tired. He won't give you a second. Was this another one of those fights, Graham, for you that the experience level, maybe like what, eight fights into your career, just a little bit too soon? You know, getting to double that, that amount of fights, okay. You know, and it's, you know, eight versus what was a 15 coming in, no double now, but, um, it wasn't a massive difference in experience, but still in all, I've, I really like Luis McHugh and I really think he has a, a very solid ability. Maybe him versus Suzanne is the way to go next, uh, although maybe it isn't as well, but what, what, was that your kind of thought with this one? Like, fair play to getting take absolutely nothing away from him, but maybe it was a little bit too soon for McHugh. Yeah, I think, it probably, I think it probably was, yeah. I think, you know, he definitely, it wasn't a blowout, but he... I think Gittins probably had another gear if if he needed it. You know, he he was on top for a lot of it, and you know, I was I was also uh, kind of half watching it and half watching the the Katie Taylor bout as well. So I could have missed some things as well. But from what I saw, yeah, I think it definitely came a little bit early. But I, I wouldn't, you know, this is a good fight to go back and uh, improve from and build on. And obviously, you're only eight fights into your career, and it's 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 your first uh, loss. That's his first loss, isn't it? Uh, second loss now, yeah. He or lost. second loss, yeah. So you know, it's 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 at the stage of his career where it, you know you have time to build back up, and he, he was on a good streak before that, and he had some good wins. But it was a, it was a step up in experience, a step up in a, a guy who's fought other uh, top guys and other experienced guys, and you know, um, uh, yeah, I think I think it was probably a little bit too soon. But I'd, also, Liam Gittins is is a, is a tough matchup, and when when he's on top, you. You know, uh, he doesn't give you much space. He lands small ground and pound, and he makes it difficult. So, you know, maybe even down the line, it, you might get the same outcome because I, I did get the feeling that maybe Liam Gittins could have given more if if he if he had to. 
Yeah, it was an interesting fight and fair play to Gittins, you know, I think, you know, I don't think everyone would have said a couple of years ago Liam Gittins would become a cage or a champion and for him to have that sort of turnaround in his career is is absolutely fantastic, like the 11-4 and four record, but if you if you look at the fact he's 5-0 and in his last five fights, that means he was 7-4 and four at one stage, like he had lost, what was it, he lost four fights in six, what, like to come around and turn around from that? What what a run for him and absolutely fair play to him and uh, and his gym a worthy champion that next generation gym in Liverpool you know produces it produces some fighters and uh, it's it's produced another one there so fair play to uh, to him on that win um, next week's MMA Graham um, a really good card honestly from the UFC. Uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, the big issue this week, uh, live and submission radio, Dan Hooker was uh, uh, is out of the fight against Bobby Green. And I, uh, some people have said, oh, Jalen Turner against Bobby Green, great fight. I don't like that as much. I really like that Dan Hooker, Bobby Green fight. I thought that was a great fight. But having said that, main event, Benil Darius, Armin Saryukin, wonderful fight. We've Davidson Figueredo versus Rob Font. Love that. Sean Brady coming back against Kelvin Gaston. I like that fight. Uh, Punahele Seriano. Before, before, you, before you skip by it, yep. you're, you know you're a big fan of Benil. How do you see him up against... Uh, Sorry, you can. So myself and Ian actually have a podcast kind of coming out about this this week over in Sherlock. And we were, we were talking about it's like... It's it's a tough match. Look, it's a tough matchup for Benil because he's coming back after getting, you know, his dream taken. He got knocked out on the verge of a UFC title fight. But for Saryukin, I think, like, he's not the biggest hitter in the world. And the best way to beat Benil Dariush is to punch him really fucking hard in the face because, you know, his chin isn't the best. And after that, then, like... Uh, his chin, though, like, I don't think that last knockout is a you know a knock on his chin I think that's I thought he'd like, mentioned before that though <laughs> yeah but I think he's kind of he, he in my mind he's kind of shaking that off a little bit and you know some of the shots he's taken it made me kind of think maybe his chin isn't that bad so yeah that would play into what you're saying about maybe sorry you can not have an you know not being one of these guys that can just put Daniel out quickly yeah yeah so that, that's exactly and then after that right Benil's a very good like he's a very good technical striker Saryukin's striking like I've watched a good bit of him over the last week it's not bad striking but it's not amazing striking what he is amazing at is like really good wrestler really good positional fighter on the ground but Darius is like top top high level BJJ black belt like is Saryukin like sir, I feel like Saryukin's athletic ability on the ground is going to have to be immense to beat Darius to keep him from causing him lots of problems or even like problems with submissions but also problems with sweeps and things like that to keep the fight on the ground it's a tough battle like I, I really think if Saryukin wins this he's a top 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 level fighter um, I think it's a really tough matchup for him I'm, I'm still I'm not saying he's not going to win but I just think it's it's a nightmare matchup for Saryukin if you're to go like you know, piece by piece well, what, what do you think of it? anything I've said there do you think is wrong or, or do you see another way yeah I was asking because I looked at the, the odds and Saryukin's a size one of the favourite, minus 290 in some places, minus 270, minus 260. Um, Darius as well, plus 235, plus 220. You know, that's... Odds are seem to be a lot. Interesting, interesting space, price, recently. you know. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. Like, I, the Andrade one from last week. Like, there's no way Andrade should have been a fucking plus 205 underdog against McKinsey Dern. Like, yeah. that was ridiculous. It was based on results. I was actually thinking this the other day because I think a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, probably, probably definitely a few years ago now, the odds, 
became I, I I nearly always agreed with them. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's about right. I, and now uh, I'm finding more where I'm like, hmm, I don't know about this. Maybe it's more me not being as you know able to follow as many fights as, as going on and not being as well kind of in I don't know not being as well educated on certain guys. But when you see it with like guys that you really know, um. Uh, that's a that's the thing that kind of went away for a few years, in my opinion. And now, now, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong with no, this, with I this Darius right. fight, but I'd agree with you. I was I was expecting Darius to be a favorite or it to be like basically a pick 'em with maybe Terry yeah. as a slight favorite, but not you know plus two thirty five and minus two ninety. This fight is probably I agree with everything you said there Maybe this fight isn't the best example of it In terms of Like I do think that should be a lot closer You know Maybe, you know, maybe because of the loss He should be a little bit of an underdog But he should, shouldn't be like a minus 200 uh, Or sorry plus 200 underdog Because of the loss or anything like that But yeah I, I And this right, What I'm about to say Absolutely doesn't apply to this fight But Sometimes it feels like people, the betting odds are really getting um, altered by the hype, you know, and when you see like a real fighter, now as I said again, this isn't the case here, like I really say, look, um, Andrade and and Dern is a good example of this, and no disrespect to me, Kinsey Dern, but like Andrade is a real fighter, look, she took a few losses against some good people, no doubt about it, but she's a real top level fighter in that division, McKinsey Dern not, not so much like, but it feels like Darius lost this and they kind of think he is no longer a top level fighter in this division, or his ability isn't, Whereas, like, his ability is really, really good, now that's not to say he'll win, Saryukin also has really, really good ability, you know, and it's it's a pick em fight for me. I I was I'm not I'm not sure who I'm leaning to to be honest, but yeah, I think the results are up. Just another thing on the betting lines, like sometimes like, you know, uh, a couple of days before the fight or like, you know, uh, on fight night somebody you know, you know uh, can put in a big bet and then the, the boogies will adjust the odds to kind of make sure they don't lose too much either way, no matter what happens, kind of thing. But like a week out, kind of the opening odds being being like that is maybe maybe I'm missing something, but maybe it's the the bookmakers thinking oh, that that dodgy chain of Darius is you know yeah. reared his ugly head again. But uh, yeah, like he got you know he got hit with shots that I think would put nearly everybody you know would put everybody like finish the fight for everybody. So or most people anyway. So yeah, I'd I, I I'd be. I'd be very tempted by that line. Yeah, at that price, you have to bet Darius. I think. I think there's no doubt about that. You know, if if you're betting lines, like if you're betting straight up, who's going to win? Okay, different story. But at the price, I think definitely Darius. But that could that could swing an awful lot. But very interesting main event. Very interesting main event. I think. Um, just other a few other people in the card. Misha Tate against Julia Avia is on this card as well. Um, so and you know Veronica Hardy the, the is on bigger radar. Rob Font is a really really interesting fight as well. How, how do you really hard to know how that's going to look like yeah. coming up and waiting. Bigger is a hard one to judge, and so is like you know both guys are kind of you. You're not exactly sure what you're going to get with them. Sometimes when they're when they're when they're great, they're great, and sometimes yeah, especially Figueredo, You know, sometimes you'd be thinking he, uh, who's going to stop him and other times you're like what is he doing uh, <laughs> um, so yeah that that's an interesting one and obviously big ramifications of that one as well and uh, that's that's a hard fight to call that's an that's an interesting one I think Figueredo 
because of the weight cuffs, just couldn't let his hands go at 125. I'm interested to see if he can kind of readjust and trust his cardio and let the hands go at 135. This is only three rounds as well. He's been fighting a lot of five-round fights, obviously, fighting championship fight after championship fight at 125. Um, it's It might sound easy to like, okay, you know, three rounds, no weight cut, let your hands go. But we've seen it with certain fighters. Like, look at Tyron Woodley. He fought Wonderboy, and then he fought Wonderboy for the rest of his career. Like, you just can't, he couldn't readjust. And that, that happens to people and uh, a big fight for Figueroa because he's like his career really you know if he can't beat Rob Font you're not going to have a lot of and no disrespect to Rob Font I really uh, respect Rob Font he's a very good fighter but if you can't beat Rob Font you're not getting to the top of that division so massive fight for him massive fight yeah. like uh, Sean Brady coming back yeah I was going to say Gastelum's another one of those guys that you never really know what's what's going to happen yeah. <laughs> you know when he's on he, he can look brilliant and uh, when he's not he, you just think what are you doing and uh, did you really even try for this this camp and he's another one that you know he's a, he's a hard man to bet on <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about betting so much in this show but uh, so I, I, I do uh, I do enjoy you know even though it's it's obviously um not ideal for the fighter, but these kind of inconsistent fighters where you, you don't know what you're going to get from them, it does kind of make for a more intrigue heading into the fight of, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, without a, without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, you can listen to all the, the betting talk on the Sheehan Show betting show coming out on Sherdog this week. Graham, before we go, Katie Taylor bout. Jeez, it was, it was fucking brilliant. One of the best bouts of the year. Last one was pretty good as well. Um... Oh, no, this one was was much better. Yeah, it was. I was I I did have you know I was watching Gage where I was watching that, but the crowd was popping, and you look up and you're you, you then then you're into that for a while. I, um, I wasn't like scoring it or anything, but I think most people seem to think that the decision was right. Um, which is which is always good in a boxing event yeah. <laughs> with a, with a crowd popping. You're thinking, oh, this could be controversial, but I, like from what from you know not scoring it and not even really properly knowing the the boxing criteria, I thought she did enough. But um, uh, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, becomes um. The, the undisputed, I think, double double weight champion. champion. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Unreal. So yeah, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. You know, she she's past her prime, but she she rose to the occasion. You know, she she was in a different zone. You know, she didn't want to do media. Really, she wanted to just. You know, I think it, it took her out of her kind of comfort zone and in, in the her normal routine. The last bout where she kind of was everywhere. She was interviewing. She was meeting. You know, old coaches that or old boxers that she looked up to when she was younger and all this stuff was going on and you know she knuckled down this time and she went in there more ferocious than we've seen her in a while and uh, yeah she's lost a pep she's lost a, a step but she she made up for it in just pure tenacity i think and yeah it was a it was a for for a boxing bout it was it was exciting and yeah absolutely brilliant for katie yeah it was it was fantastic like I think people don't say it enough. What you said there, like she is well past her prime, like years. But that, that makes years it better. Past what she the did. prime, yeah, a hundred percent. And she beat the top woman in the world right now, who's a very good. She's tough, bigger than her weight class up. Very good fighters are good at getting on a jab. Good tactical, technical fighter, all of that. 
and she just beat her. Like, Katie made it a rough and tumble fight. She's like, right, what am I going to do? I'm not going to let her use her lint. So I'm going to get inside. I'm going to fucking hold on to her, grab her, pull her. But then I'm going to use my speed when it breaks and land a better shot. And it worked like a treat. Or she just took the jab away from her and it was absolutely brilliant. Like, I was I was trying to watch it close enough. I obviously don't understand the scoring criteria as well as we would in MMA. But for me, of the 10 rounds, three of them were close right? One, nine, and ten, I believe. And if you'd given all three of them to Cameron, I think it would have been a draw. So one judge did have it a draw, and I think that was fair enough. But, you know, you'd be very unfair to Katie to not give her one of those close rounds. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I had a 96-94, so I gave her one of those close rounds, but you could have had it anywhere up to, to 97-93. One judge gave a 98-92, which I think was probably around too much uh, in Katie's favour, so... You know, one judge gave a round or two to, to Cameron, the other judge gave a round or two to Katie, not anything big in it, but that's not the discussion here. She she was just fantastic. What about the the knockdown? Yeah. I, I thought I looking thought at it that it was a knockdown, but then on the on not great quality YouTube or um Twitter video, it was the possibility that her foot was stood on, but it wasn't clear in the video I saw. I don't know if you yeah, I was I, kinda of watching Cage Warriors watching Watching the 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 bout, did you see during the replay during the I, middle I of the round? After that? I saw someone no. tweeting about a replay that said, "Oh, it wasn't a knockdown on the replay." Look to me, it looked like a dead on knockdown, um, but it was a replay like after another like uh, not after the round after the round after or something like that so I didn't I wasn't really paying attention after I was watching as I said watching a bit of cage whereas between rounds as well but yeah look it yeah. did look like a knockdown but um, it was good that the, the you know the scores it wouldn't have mattered no it wouldn't it would have been so what know, it was a 94 use, you know people are begrudgers and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would definitely use that against you if, if it had been yeah, it just uh, would have been oh, it would have been 95 94 and then, you know, 97, 92. So, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't have made any difference. But, like, sometimes, you know, automatically, they almost give around 10-8 um, when it's a knockdown, when they maybe shouldn't. But, um, it did, look, I, I don't think it made a big difference anyway. But, um, yeah, look, what a performance. The heart and she's, you know, the way she carries herself, like an Irish hero, but also, like, uh, a women's sporting hero, a woman's boxing hero, like brought the sport to us. Like she brought the sport into the Olympics. She was the one who made professional boxing a thing for women's MMA. And now she's still doing it, beating people years and years after it, uh, you know, after her best. To have someone like that from Ireland, uh, Jesus, we're very proud of her. And like, as, as obviously, like we don't we don't really cover boxing. We don't talk about boxing that much here uh, at all. So I, I I love it as well because I can be a fan and I can sit back and watch it and go go on Katie like where you know for the Irish fighters you know you you like them and you support them and all but you want to call it down the middle and you don't want to be unbiased and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. But we can do that for the boxing. So 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 that's great and it's it's great to see it and you know it's I suppose it's a little bit connected to MMA as well because we all we always have. Chris Cyborg calling her out and we have you know one of her biggest opponents in Amanda Serrano signing for PFL as well so we uh, you know we can connect it to MMA as well but sneak it in there (laughs) we can we can but the crowd the atmosphere was just unbelievable like I I, uh, like it was up there with the big UFC you know um 
Dublin card, something like some of the big Bellator cards. I, I look, the big Bellator cards haven't met that; they'd be unbelievable. But uh, I suppose that and the big UFC card are the only comparable ones you you could put together. But this might have even topped that. I'd say. Talking about, talking about, I think she said Crow Park for the trilogy. Yeah, but Eddie Hearn is trying to get the government to pay for it again. I'm like, just pay yeah. the money yourself, Eddie. You're fucking trying. What are you trying to get me and you to pay our tax yeah, money? Our, our, our government doesn't. Fuck doesn't off. We have enough. We yeah, have enough problems. Know, let's not get into that. Oh god, if we got into that, we could be here for another fucking hour and thirty three minutes. But yeah, we we have enough issues with that. Just pay the fucking money, get it done. Like uh, we've talked about Eddie Hearn before, and if my point has ever been proven, it was proven tonight. Why wasn't Katie Taylor fighting in Ireland for years and years and years? I'm Imagine those nights happening. They've happened twice now. One of them she lost. Imagine if they happened five and years she, ago. She, you know, she could have lost again. Like, you know, she could have. Yeah. You know, she's old. She's already lost to this girl. She came in and put on a phenomenal performance. But, you know, on another night, maybe, you know, things would have went differently and she, she would have lost and it would have been like such a kind of petered out end, sad end. I don't know much about boxing. I don't know anything about Eddie Hearn and boxing really. But, like, I'm so glad that Katie kind of got her you know, big moment there. Yeah, me too. Brilliant. Fair platter. Go on, Katie. Yup, yup, yup. Right, we leave it there, Graham. We'll be back next week with a, another podcast. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you haven't gone over to Caldera Lab, please do use the promo code Severe May. Make a good Christmas present now. Do you know, 20% off over there. Um, our Patreon as well we have some great stuff up there oh Graham we have a new idea coming I, I don't think I've even told you about this but we've already recorded one edition of it myself and Ian right but maybe we'll get other people to do it and stuff as well the rewatch roulette right so there's been 671 UFC events I believe so I asked Google to give me a number between 1 and 671 I go to that event, and let's say there's 12 fights in that event. I ask for a number between 1 and 12, and let's say it gives me number 3. I pick the third fight in that event, and we rewatch it. It doesn't matter if it's a 15-minute fight, a 15-second fight, a 25-minute fight. We're going to do it. We're going to talk about it. Patreon, coming out this <laughs> Thursday, I believe. We have the first edition. It was, I, And I'll give yeah. you a quick spoiler. It was a fight that when we came out, we're like, oh, no. <laughs> We're after getting a pretty shitty fight here between two lads who are kind of not great, but it turned out to be like a classic fight that no one remembers with an unbelievable ending. So tune in for that. Patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. The way you sold it there with a bit of mystery, it makes it, makes it a lot more yeah, interesting. There you go. Like it could be anything. It could, it could be anything. It could be like it could, it could be, be a Cindy, no Cindy it, could be, or it could be John Jones fucking uh, against Alexander Gustafson. You'd never know. And uh, hopefully we'll do it every week. But if, 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 there is a, if there's a fight that you really want John to watch, we do have the $20 we do? Is yes. or Euro membership uh, where you can one of request them, a right. rewatch, rewatch and you can, you can, as I always say, you can force Sean to watch all, uh, all Ben Askren fights all 25 minutes of them. Here, let, let's let's throw the Black Friday deal, Graham. Why not? If you sign up for the ten quid one, we'll give it to you. If you sign up anytime, anytime before the end of November, let's say so you've another three or four days here. If you sign up for the ten quid Patreon, we'll do a rewatch for you. So send send me on a DM. Or you send can send in. Email. You also have the ability to send in your twenty minute topic, and we'll we'll yeah, that's for the twenty quid. We'll knock that out as well yeah. for the twenty quid one. That's it. But we we'll, you know what? We'll do that for the ten quid one as well. 
We'll do that for the Tonkin one up until the end of November. So we could have a lot of work coming our way, Graham, but let's do that. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. All right, we leave it there. Follow at severe MMA to get Graham's thoughts and things and all the severe MMA's beautiful work. Follow at Sean Sheehan BA to get my shite at severe MMA pod as well. SevereMMA.com over on Instagram. We're on WhatsApp now as well. You'll find that on our Twitter and the links to that as well there. Is it like SevereMMA.com forward slash WhatsApp, Graham? Can you find it there? Yeah. There, it there is, you yeah. go. So we have that and all our stuff there. And um, yeah, loads of great stuff coming. As always, over the next while, we'll be at the PFL Europe card and we, uh, we will obviously uh, talk about that next week as well. So a lot of great stuff, as always, from your friendly neighborhood MMA website. Graham, send us out on your quote for the week. This is a, a lyric or a quote from a, an old famous uh, Irish song. There's only one Katie Taylor. See you next week. Good luck. Yahoo! I haven't uh, gotten it yet. I'm still trying to figure out when's the appropriate time to ask for it. <laughs> Anytime you're okay with giving it to me, I don't mind. Procop turning it on now. Pat Barry slowed down a bit, Mike. He's an amazing guy, really decent, and uh, I like the guy. I must say, I like the. If I beat Krokop on Saturday night, I'm gonna go home and stare out a window for two years. If I want to be lucky and throw a high kick. He might stay at the window two years too. With a nurse on his left side. <laughs>